This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to a Sunday side session victory edition. I am Mike Schaefer, and this week I am joined by a man of many talents, a man that you may have heard before, or you may or not, who informed me he is making his first ever guest appearance on anything. He didn't even have any fake shows to jump on back in Chicago before he moved out here to Nebraska. And of course, I'm talking about Matt McMaster, who you can catch every Saturday on the uh, the Husker Hour, right? That's uh, K- that KLIN Husker Hour. KLIN Husker Hour. Uh, Sorry, KLIN. I dropped the uh, the important you know call signals there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get a long note from uh, Caleb Henry about that. That's good. Well. I I appreciate that. I I need to be held accountable. That's what uh, <laughs> that's what has to happen when you make mistakes. But this is no mistake. We have Matt McMaster joining us. Matt, all right. Nebraska wins 17 to nine. I spent the entire week trying to tell everyone that I did not feel good about Nebraska just lining up and scoring a bunch of points against Northwestern. And yet I probably was as dumbfounded as anyone with how poorly that game started. Um, I do want to talk about Nebraska's offense or lack thereof of their offense, but I, I they won the game. And I want to start with Nebraska's defense because yeah. outside of playing what is arguably maybe the best college football team right now in Michigan, Nebraska has defensively pretty much shown up in every game it's played this year. It got beat a little bit by Colorado at the end when they turnovers in a field position and Shador Sanders proved to be too much, but otherwise compared to the rest of the Big Ten West for the most part, or the Big Ten in general, or even just their non-conference schedule, this defense has showed up to play, and it did it again against a Northwestern team that once uh, that didn't have a lot of weapons. But here's the thing. Sure. You just want to see domination, and that's largely what Nebraska has done against two teams in back-to-back weeks that come from your home state of Illinois. I should say back-to-back games. There was a bye week in there. Um, which, which performance – you know, Ooh. was more impressive to you defensively. What they did against Ooh. Illinois after they got that fourth down stop uh, at fourth and goal or the way they just sort of kept coming after Northwestern on Saturday. They allowed three field goals, four attempts. Northwestern hit mm-hmm. on a couple big plays, but Nebraska tracked down and made a couple key tackles that probably don't get talked about enough in the moment. Absolutely. Um, what what performance stands stood out to you the most? That is a great question, Schaefer. Um, I would say Illinois. And the reason why I would say Illinois is because I think that the team was more dominant against Northwestern. Okay, I feel like there was more domination against Northwestern. But I think the, the, the performance against Illinois is more impressive because they got marched down on. Okay, 
They got marched down the field on that first drive. They stepped up on that goal line. Guys who don't get a ton of snaps, like Riley Van Poppel, stepped up on that goal line, stopped them. And I think also, too, in that fourth quarter, that offense with those three turnovers gave them every reason to roll over and kind of give up that game. And they did not. They stood on their head and they continued to dominate and essentially won that game for them. I think yesterday, while it was more dominant, uh, they didn't really go through a ton of adversity or at least not as much adversity, I think, as they did against Illinois. I think both performance though performances, though, were absolutely incredible. And I agree with you. We're not talking about that chase down tackle on Tyus, and I think what was it, the second quarter on that uh, 60-yard run, and then that other uh, uh, tackle on that Kurtz uh, 66-yard uh, uh, catch. And I want to say this, too. You know, I write an article called The Turning Point. My turning point was that stop after that Kurtz reception, the fact that they gave up that long pass right after they had a long pass of their own and stood up and didn't allow Northwestern to score a touchdown and bring that game back to within four. That was an incredibly impressive. I think both of them were great. I give the slight edge to Illinois, though. Yeah, you know, what's really interesting is I I could sort of just sense open the press box just with the crowd, the reaction on on social media and my message board. Like Nebraska hits that pass to, to Malachi Coleman. You go up 17 to six yeah. and then you give up the long pass right away. And it's like, man, you just never get to feel like they're going to put a game away. And then the no. defense was able to hold for the, the field goal, puts Nebraska's offense back on the field. And you're thinking, OK, if they can just sustain a little bit of a drive here, it's over. Sure. Yeah. Obviously, they're not able to do that. But Nebraska's defense, again, able to come out. And really, I, I, I jokingly tweeted this. It almost felt like player neglect with what they were doing for their quarterback at the end of that game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Northwestern's just putting that guy out there. They have no extra protection. And Nebraska's defensive line, yes. the blitz packages, I mean, they were just coming after him all game. Even the long the long pass was a product, I believe, of Omar Brown just being a little bit of out of control on his blitz attempt, uh, sure. not able to, uh, to, to get to the quarterback cleanly allowing him to kind of step up and, and Hartzog lost his man and, and there he goes down the sidelines. But yeah, I mean, just a great effort throughout the game. Those, those tackles were important. I consider honestly that Isaac Gifford play on third and 10 on the, on the screen pass. That is one of the more impressive plays I think I've seen this year. And like, if you, if you get a chance to go back and watch, he's on not really the far side of the field, but he's the far safety. He's not breaking towards that sideline until after he recognizes what's happening. He has to weave through traffic. And then he gets there and he just immediately slows him up and, and helps bring him down, basically. Like it was and on a play that felt like that was a guaranteed minimum 15 yards. Well, I saw it happen and I, I saw the running back get the ball and I saw the two blockers in front of him. And there was literally there was almost no one in front of yep. of the Northwestern ball carrier, I saw that. I go, oh, that's a touchdown. Seriously, I thought that was a touchdown. He just goes right through those two offensive linemen. He just absolutely stiff arms both of them, gets right to the ball carrier. It was it was one of the more impressive defensive plays I've seen, period, end of story. And I just think, in general, it, it, we're getting to the point where it's almost like no block is safe against these teams that they're going to end up playing, where all these guys – on this Tony White defense has, they just have relentless pursuit 
relentless pursuit. I mean, they're going to go, they're going to get to that ball, 11 hats to the football all the time. And that's part of the reason why they want, they, they are one of the best defenses in the country, period, end of story. I think that Michigan game was just an absolute collapse from both sides, you know, and I think that rule, he never really talked about them being mentally defeated. He never said that, but the way you talk, he he talked about that game. I think you can kind of put the pieces together and read between the lines that that team may not have believed that they could beat Michigan, or at least they got down early and they and they they faltered. Uh, but they they this defense in general has had a lot of reasons to falter and have had a lot of reasons been given to them by their offense to not believe that they can win games and not believe, and believe that they're just going to hand wins out to teams and every single time they've stepped up. Yeah. I, one of the the remarkable things with this, this three, three, five and, and Tony White's defense in his first year here is that we're in now just finished week eight. Nebraska's played seven games and there's still players that are emerging every week yeah. where you're just kind of yeah. like, okay, like, where did this well, guy sure, just come sure. from? And, and you know, Matt Rule said it after the game, and I'm talking about James Williams, who, yeah. you know, if you don't know the name, number 90, and a lot of people I, I don't think anyone roster. in the press box, no one in the press box Brunt, knew the name either, <laughs> Schaefer. Brunts was, Brunts was all over it. I'll give I'll give Brunts credit because okay. you and I were doing the, like, you sneak a peek down at your little roster that you have in front of you so you can sure. seem knowledgeable, whereas Brunts is just out loud. He's like, Sticks is on the field. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, Sticks, number 90. They call him Sticks. He's just, you know, nobody's watching video because I'm not going to post it, but he's apparently sure. pretty thin. And if you look at him, yeah, he's pretty thin. And he's like, that's the guy they got in July, or not July, in uh, August from Iowa, like a, a junior yeah. college guy. And sure enough, there he is. And then after the game, Matt Rule's talking about it. And he's like, yeah, you know, he's having, he's playing well on scout team. And I told Tony, let's just throw him in there. <laughs> let's just throw him in there and the guy had this yeah, sack. yeah we'll he figure it out standing and here's the thing like between him and kai wall and another one of their junior college defensive linemen that they they brought in this past cycle i mean they're gonna they're gonna split the difference there and get eight games between those two guys while red shirting both sure. like yeah. they're gonna build depth for their assuming no injuries assuming they're able to to, to be able to do what they want to do here they're going to build depth for the future while getting those guys some important playing time and they're contributing. And it's like, we yeah. saw this, you know, they wanted to throw Makai Bayer in there against Colorado because of his ability to play in space. He immediately makes big tackles against Dylan Edwards. Uh, Riley Van Poppel's in the mix of key stops on fourth down against Illinois. It just feels like every button Matt rule and Tony white and that defensive staff collectively pushes right now is, is just working. I mean, Michigan game aside, like they're getting performances from players that frankly I have not come to expect or think is possible in more than a decade with what I've seen from Nebraska's defense since Bo Pelini left town. And even yeah. when Bo Pelini was here, they weren't they weren't this good. Uh unless we we're talking about, you know, the vaunted 2009, 2010, which was littered sure. with NFL guys. So when we were in the uh, spring slash fall ball era of the Matt Rule era, right? You and I were in that North Concourse asking all those questions, all the assistant coaches. Mostly you. I was just standing there, arms folded, staring at you. I only ask one question at press conference. By the way, that's my rule. I get, I get one question. That's all I get. All right, I follow it. You, you make key. it count. You I do. Count. I always make it count. I always make it count. But 
I you can kind of put the pieces together when you were talking to Evan Cooper, when you were talking to Terrence Knighton, when you were talking to Tony White about how many guys they wanted to rotate into their defense. You know, I think that uh, Knighton said, I think he he said seventeen to twenty five, or uh, White said seventeen to twenty five, which everyone was like, oh, that's a lot of guys. I think Cooper said at any point they can put six guys out there. Knighton talked about all the different defensive linemen they're going to put out there. I don't think anyone anticipated that they would have so many guys being able to play on defense and not just play on defense, but play high level football on defense. So you talk about, you know, making this depth and developing depth. Deshaun Singleton was really good to begin the year. He is no longer playing right now. He's got a knee injury. Uh, it's un, you know undetermined when he's coming back, but it feels like the secondary with Phelan Sanford hasn't missed a beat. And then you also got to throw in there too. Marquise Buford was one of the best players on their defense last year. Like he was really good last year behind Newsom. He, I think he was the next best defensive back. He hasn't played all year. He hasn't played all year. And and, and also too, there's, there's kind of a feeling of like, do they, maybe Buford should take a red shirt just because of how good the secondary was playing. Yeah. Yeah, I think we won't see him until probably that Maryland game. And then he'll probably play the rest of the year unless Nebraska is in Indy. And then I don't know, you finagle it a little bit, but sure. I I don't, I'm, I'm not subscribing to the idea that we're going to see Nebraska winning the big 10 West, by the way, I I know that there's, there's some fervor and some excitement and, you know, maybe, maybe in mid November, I'll allow myself to think about that. But right now it's not the case. But the point being is that they just have so many guys who could go out and play. And it's not like, oh, you have so many guys who got there to play, but does it really matter? No, no, no. They're good. They had, I counted this before I came on the show because I'm such a great researcher. They had 20 guys register a stat on defense yesterday. Yeah. They had 20 different guys register a stat. That's that's, that's impressive. How many that's times do you think they've done that this year? Because it's oh, happened earlier because there was – that's a good question. I would I think it was you know Northern what? Illinois. They had like 26 and some of that was they they actually took a team and put themselves sure. up by enough where you could really kind of flood the bench. But you can flood it. Yeah. Maybe they like did that against La Tech in that Northern too. Illinois game. Yeah. Yeah. They probably did that against La Tech too. Cause they, they, they put people in there as well toward the end. I don't know, but in big 10, you got 20 different guys out there who yeah. are, who are getting on the stat sheet. It's just impressive. So they're building more depth after they've already built built so much depth and I think the best part about uh this defense and I just think the Matt Rule culture is this idea that just because you didn't play last week doesn't mean you can't play the next week and just because you played last week does not mean you are going to play this week he said this week in the press conference if you don't practice well on Tuesday you're not going to start okay especially if someone else is practicing better than you you're not going to start that's just how that works so yeah. there's this mentality in this culture of your number can be called any moment, and if you have a good week of practice and you and you dedicate yourself, it doesn't matter when your number is called. Your number may be called, and it's it's been effective for this defense. So I asked you about Illinois versus Northwestern. I got another random one for you. Sure. And I I'll, maybe you won't agree with the premise. I'd be a little surprised if you didn't, but maybe you won't. Let's say that we both agree, and feel free to argue this that the best two players on Nebraska's defense right now with how they're performing Ooh. are Nash Hupmacher and Isaac Gifford. I would say Hupmacher, yes. Hupmacher, okay. yes. Hut, Hutmaker, we're going to get Hutmaker. angry emails Hutmaker. from the German. The German and I think, I think Gif, I, 
I I will I think you can make a, a case for Luke Ryan. Okay, so healthy. my question my question okay. was gonna be sure. who is the third best player on Nebraska okay. So I think the third best player is Gifford, and I think that the next okay. guy is is Luke Reimer when healthy. I want to give right. an honorable mention to Jamari Butler because he's come on here in the last couple of games, and we really didn't see him all that much in the Colorado game and in the Minnesota game, but he has come on here in the last couple of weeks, and he's – I'm not going to say game wrecker, but it just seems like every yesterday and, and against Illinois as well, it just every time – Altmeyer was down in the backfield against Illinois and Sullivan was down in the backfield in Illinois. You're like, Oh, there's Jamari Butler, you know, like, so, so he's played well too, but I Gifford, one of the best tackling defensive backs I've seen. Seriously. That guy is an animal. He was an animal last year. He's got this expanded role now. And, and, and you look, I like, I think Reimer went healthy playing a little bit better, but he's still incredible. He's still incredible. And Hutmaker, Maybe he doesn't have that prototypical NFL build, okay? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's a little bit too small. Maybe, you know, whatever. You can kind of dissect that in terms of him being a pro. But he has been the best player on this defense. I mean, he has looked awesome on the defensive line. He is a game wrecker. He is a game wrecker. Yeah, I don't know that size would be the the concern. I don't know. I don't – what would you – I mean, he looks – compared to – some of these bigger, like I feel like they're NFL defensive linemen who are who are just a little bit bigger than him. He's not overly tall. I mean, maybe I'm just completely wrong, but like, how 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 tall is Nash? Uh, I want to say he's at least six three, if not bigger. Let's which would um, if he if he is, and I just I just haven't seen him up close. Yeah. And, like I just you know whatever. He's listed but, at six four, uh, six three hundred thirty pounds. Yeah, no, I'm wrong. I don't know. It just, but he's whatever. I, it doesn't matter. I was he's a little awesome. like, okay, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, he's, I was. Uh, he's I, played yeah, outstanding. Sure. He sure. he's played outstanding. I mean, he had another big one yesterday. Two and a half sacks. And we're talking from like the uh, if you want to use 1970s parlance, the middle guard position, or you know, the more sure. <laughs> the more common nose tackle. Like to to put up those kinds of numbers, like. My understanding of football, which is rudimentary at best, but my understanding of football is a lot of times your interior defensive lineman exists to do the dirty work, to get everybody else their stats, to open the lanes for the blitzers, to open the lanes for the linebackers against the ball carriers, to to eat up as many offensive linemen as they're supposed to. And I don't have them right in front of me, but I think at one point Nash had the most tackles on the team yesterday. Uh, he had two and a half sacks. I think he had three and a half tackles for a well, loss. He, he like, on yesterday's yesterday's game, he let he led the team in tackles. He had seven. Yeah, tackles. He had seven from tackles. the nose along with Gifford and Princewell. Yeah, yeah. Like and, and that's unheard. So of. there's, you know, Spice Adams, Anthony Adams, former former nose tackle for the Chicago Bears. He talked about the literal job of the nose tackle is just to get your guy out of the way so the linebacker can right. make the tackle. That that's that's what the job of the nose tackle is, and that's traditionally what. Hutmaker's playing and he is just bull rushing and using his speed and using his hands. And, you know, uh, we did these, you know, these open practices that you and I went to uh, as media members. I think a note that I always made was Terrence Knighton was working specifically with Hutmaker all the time. 
they would the D linemen would be doing their individual, you know, their group stuff, their team stuff, or whatever. But Naim would always have two, three, four guys that he was working with specifically on hands and feet and movement. And Hutmaker was one of them consistently because they knew that he needed him. He's taken that teaching, and he, I, I think, his big game was it might have been either Northern Illinois or La Tech, where I looked over to my co-host Cole Stukenholz and I said, "Hey." Hutmaker's the best player on the field right now. Like yeah, it was Northern Illinois. Yeah. I was like, what? He what, just hates what? the state of Illinois. He just hates <laughs> your home state, man. I don't know how you hey, feel about that. You know what? He, he's not the first. He won't be the last. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, he's he's incredible. I'm, I feel like an absolute idiot, though. I don't know. I've seen him in person. I just – maybe I haven't been, like, physically threatened by him enough to think that he's not an overly tall human being. <laughs> but it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter. He's, he's a game wrecker. I mean, what would I need to pay you to show up to Tuesday's media availability it, if Nash is there and you have like a tape measure? And yeah. You're like, hey, before we get started, you just walked up. You don't even explain yeah. what you're doing. No, no, you no. no I wouldn't measure. say a word. I would just be like, stand right there. Hold this. Just <laughs> be like, dang. All right. Maybe a, you, maybe an inch shorter than on the website. But still, I totally I thought, you know, I totally thought you were 6'2", not 6'4". Would be so. great is if you just decide to like play it like you're a tailor or you start measuring his arms <laughs> his and, arms uh, and his chest his waist, be like, like, yeah, yeah, his, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're, we're trying to figure out what blazer you know what, what no, no, guys you need here canon canon is asking in advance what the gold jacket is going to be measured out as so just give me a <laughs> give me a second here nash it'll only take a minute yeah his performance but, has been uh outstanding it's, All right, know, we're gonna... it's the surprise of the season I don't know. It's a surprise of the season. I mean, yeah. going into the season, I feel like there still was a lack of experience and a lot of questions on this defensive line. I think that a lot of people might not have predicted that the defensive line was going to be the strength of this team. It's become the strength of this team in, in massive part because of him. Yep. All right, let's take a quick timeout. We will return. We're going to talk about Nebraska's offense, maybe a little special teams. We'll finish things up here on the Sunday side session. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, I promised offensive talk. Uh, Nebraska's offense was pretty offensive um, on Saturday, but that's basically what it's going to be. I think every time out, they're they're just not built to to be able to snowball teams, and I think that's fair because looking around, and we they lost Billy Kemp early in that game, and Matt Rule talked about it. Their whole strategy was built around Billy Kemp for the Northwestern yeah. game. They didn't have him. And so I think that's part of why things felt a little bit disjointed, looked a little bit disjointed. Um, I 
I don't know where you want to start with Nebraska's offense, but we're going to start with essentially their biggest play, how they finished. The the option pass to Malachi Coleman, the 45-yard perfectly dropped in from Heinrich Harburg to, you know, the freshman that fans have been most clamoring to see uh, since he recommitted to Nebraska right on signing day and signed with the Huskers last December. That felt like a moment within a moment that could be significant for Nebraska moving forward, not just this season, but beyond. And I don't even necessarily mean just because of those two pieces, but the way Nebraska incorporated that play, the fact that teams have to view Heinrich Harburg as the biggest threat on Nebraska's offense every time the ball is in its hands, which is every play, makes that option pass so damn dangerous. Mm -hmm. And then when you have the speed Nebraska's coveting out there at wide receiver, I'm not saying that play is going to be there every single week, but you have to make teams feel scared of that too to open things up. And for them to hit it the way they did, when they did, huge play, I think, for the next five five games on their schedule. Can we get more play-action pass from this team? Seriously. I would like to see. They don't do traditional play-action. No, no. It's kind of no, weird. And that's fine. And that's fine if that's Satterfield and that's their offense. And that's when I, and I understand that like there are certain rules within already what they're running. And so you can't just like, Oh, we're going to PA bootleg all the time. Like, like I get that. And so, you know, they, I'm not like, like you said, your football knowledge rudimentary. Mine's probably a little bit lower than that in all honesty, but it's hard to get lower than mine. Ask the message (laughs) board. But, but the thing is, is that, you can add in a couple more if they can do just two or three of those plays a game where you know you're faking the run and it turns into the pass it could be so effective considering how often they run the ball and how big of a threat running the ball is on this offense but yeah i think it was a beautifully drawn up play i love that press conference note from rule when he said i I pointed up to tom osborne because he said that you know if you're going to run this sort of option you got to run this sort of uh, option pass and that's exactly what that play was I was impressed with Malachi Coleman's play against Illinois. Uh, I know he only had one pass, but there were a couple routes, you know, when he got the all 22 angle that he ran where it looked like he could have been open. If he was one of the first, uh, first couple of reads, you knew that coming into this game because of Marcus Washington's injury. And then later because of Billy Kemp's injury that uh, when they were going to throw the ball, Coleman is going to be one of the first guys that they're looking at. Uh, I also think that he had a great block on that Billy Kemp touchdown against Illinois as well. So I, I, I was confident about Coleman Coming into this game, especially after we heard about all of this great practice that he's had or whatever. So, yeah, it was it was a really well-executed play. It was a really good route run by Coleman. Uh, it was a good ball. It was a good ball. You know, I, I, we'll get to Hartberg's performance in a little bit, I'm assuming. But it was a good ball. It was a good catch. It's exactly what they needed. They needed a big play. They needed to air it out deep. And they executed. Yeah. I, um, I want to ask you about Emmett Johnson. The, the day that he okay. had, I mean, he, he ends up as a starter. I think that surprised people a little bit because Anthony Grant has just sort of, just sort of been the guy since the, the injuries we got, again, people can't see it. We don't have the video here. Matt has his finger in the air. It looks McMaster like he's he was not surprised. I called it. I called it. I, I said during the bye week, I said, I would not be shocked. If after the fumble against Illinois and just everything we've heard, the consistency of the of the Matt Rule press conferences of talking about Anthony Grant's fumbling problems, that Emmett Johnson would get the load of the carries. Cole Stuke and Holtz looked at me 
Like I was crazy. I told him, I go, I'm telling you. That look. Well, <laughs> I right. told him, yeah, no, I am. I am. I get it all the time. Uh, I told him, I go, look, I think EJ, he looked good enough against Illinois. He ran well enough against Illinois. You can see the flashes. He's young. He looks good. They gave him the bulk of the carries. Uh, and I also, too, I think that we're getting to the point with Anthony Grant where, you know, you really hope that he shares that stuff up. But I think at this point they're just comfortable not giving him the ball as much in the fourth quarter and clutch situations and, and run out situations just out of the fear of, of fumbling. And I think that uh, EJ, he had a – I had the stat. Now I got I to gotta find it. Uh, 6.1 yards of carry. He just played well. Now I understand it's against a, a, a not very good rushing defense. Uh, but still, he looked really, really good, got a lot of the carries. I think you'll continue to see that young guy. He was a stud high school football player in Minnesota. He's showing that talent, uh, and I think that's going to be the common theme. And, you know, I, I, I think that you hate to see Gabe Irvin Jr. go down. You hate to see Ramir Johnson go down. Those two guys looked really good to begin the year. You were excited about what they were going to do this season, uh, but – if there's any silver lining, it's that this young running back and Emmett Johnson, who kind of was buried on the depth depth chart to begin the year, is now going to get a lot of this run and a lot of this shine and a lot of great experience to end the season. Yeah. You know what's really interesting with Emmett Johnson? He's a guy up in Minnesota as a high school player that was kind of a dual threat, both out of the backfield as a receiver, too. They'd line him up in the slot. They would do these different things with him. Like some of the shame of Nebraska's offense being such a mess is that I don't think they can utilize him in this way. Like I, one, we sure. haven't seen Heinrich Harburg throw a lot of short passes. A lot of his passes have been have seven we yards and beyond. And I don't know if that's just because it's not in the offense. I don't know if it's just not his game. Uh, but there would be opportunities for some of those, you know, motion type swing passes. Uh, they could certainly use him in the screen game, but that would require the ability of Nebraska to have all of their pieces get to where they need to be at the right time. And that's a tough part for them. They're just, they're, they expend so much energy on the window dressing that almost turns disastrous. Like on his 24 yeah. yard run, his best run, there was two guys that went in motion or there was someone that pulled yeah. and they nearly ran into each other. And yet Nebraska still pulled a 24-yard run out of that play. And so they they do all of this extra stuff, but it's like if they sure. if they could utilize Emmett Johnson how I think he could be best utilized, like he's sort of a he's kind of a third down running back that's being elevated into this role that he's in right now, and he's doing everything well. But if they could utilize him where you could sort of throw him the ball in the flats, he's dangerous when he has a ball in his hands. Like he's got a little bit of burst and wiggle to him. So a couple of things. The defense is so successful because they have so many different looks and they take guys and they're like, he will work best in this type of rush mm -hmm. or he will look best in this type of formation. He will do they, – they adjust their defense to the players that they have. I hate this – and we keep saying it, and I, I promised I wouldn't go on a rant or anything like that, but we, we keep saying right maybe away. it's not a – Maybe it's not in the offense. Maybe it's not in the offense. Well, let me tell you something right now. The current offense that they do have and the plays that they do run does not work. It does not work. Okay? It does. Yes, they've won games against, you know, not so great opponents in the Big Ten. Yes, they've won games, but it doesn't work. Okay? So this whole idea that, well, they're not going to run this play for this player 
even though it would work best for them because it's not in the offense is so dumb. If they are, if they are thinking, well, we're not going to run this play for EJ for Emma Johnson because it's not in the offense. Well, you know what? Maybe you should do what your defense does and put it in the offense because it works for him and it uses his skills to the best of their abilities. And so this idea, well, you know, uh, we play this guy more, but it doesn't, you know, or that those plays aren't in the offense. Your offense isn't working. Put the things in the offense that are going to be working. So if they're, like you're saying, Emma Johnson's really good in the swing passes using them in the slot, you're getting to the point where you don't have Washington. You don't have Kemp. You don't have, you know, your your two running backs to begin the season. You got to start putting in stuff that is going to utilize the guys that you have on the field to the best of their abilities. Doesn't matter if it's in their original offense or not. You got to, you got to start doing it. So you, they, they, they got to adjust. They have to adjust because what they're doing right now is not working. Do you think they actually will? Because I think they're just going to continue. No, I don't. I don't. I, I, don't. I, I this, I don't. this isn't at this a point, strategy. At this point, no. Yeah. No. It's not a strategy, but basically what it feels like is every week they're just trying to get by with what they have, with how they can. Um, I think that's the best that, way of putting it. Ultimately, that's going to catch up with them. They're going to lose a game because they're just not going to be able to score enough points. Well, well that's, that's going to happen. Or the offense is going to put them in such a bad situation that the defense just can't hold every time out. Just because of the offense, this team as a whole is good enough to beat bad Big Ten teams or not good Big Ten teams. Luckily for them, they play a lot of them. In these, in They're on the season. right side of the division. They're on the right side of the division. They play two and five Purdue next week, and then they face off against a, a probably what will be another two and five team in Michigan State the week after that, and then maybe a tougher schedule to end the year. But still. And so it's like, you're absolutely right. Like, what happens if the defense doesn't have their best day? Like, what happens if this defense just isn't absolutely stonewall? Because they they are good, and this is, Matt Rule keeps telling everyone it's a defensive team, but there's so much expectation of, like, the defense has to play out of their mind just for just for the team to win by, like, Eight, nine points against yeah. a team that probably won't win another Big Ten game the rest of the year. You know, like they, I, I don't know. This, this, it just, I'm okay. I, I'll say this. I, I, Marcus Satterfield is working with an offense that he did not think he would have to work with to begin this year. Okay. And what he is battling through in terms of injuries, especially now on the offensive line is incredibly difficult. So I will cut him a lot of slack. I will cut him a lot of slack. But the idea, Mike, and we keep saying it, but it's not in the offense. I don't know if the offense is going to run it because it's on the offense. Infuriates me, especially as a Bears fan who's been oh, saying no. that sentence for forever. Well, it's, it, you know, maybe that's not in the offense. You're scoring 12, 15, 12 points a game, 13, 14, 15 points a game. You got to start doing stuff that's going to utilize your guys the best. And so I don't, I don't know. And it's, yeah, I don't know. But look, I will give them credit. The Heinrich Harburg run game is working. The Heinrich Harburg run game works. Well, and that's why he's still going to start. Well. Oh, it's, absolutely. Uh, it's the absolutely. best thing they have. It, it's the best it, thing absolutely. they have. And they have to lean on it. And it what it did and why I wanted to start with that Malachi play is they have that that they can build off of. And so sure. if you can make teams have to respect that, 
You can open up the box a little bit. If Emmett Johnson can continue to be something, it helps mm-hmm. more. Uh, you know, like they part of what these next five games are is they have to establish because they just don't have them. I mean, you don't have your top four receivers. You don't have your top two of your top three running backs, and the other third running back is just sort of kind of been a big disappointment. Like I've I've kind of jumped a lot on Anthony Grant in the last couple of weeks, and I'm just going to continue it here. He had a golden opportunity in front of him with a team that wants to run the football, and he played defenses other than Michigan that aren't good at stopping the run and did nothing with it. And it just sort of feels like, to me, I'm ready to just see Emmett Johnson get the bulk of the action there at running back because it feels like Anthony Grant missed his opportunity, and I don't want to wait long enough to see if he can figure it out. Like that's I, that's where I where I'm at with it, and so all of that to say, yeah. a lot of what's happening for this offense to me is guys are getting valuable reps they weren't getting before. Like Emmett sure. Johnson doesn't have a lot of experience because he's been the fifth, sixth, fourth, seventh running back on the roster for two years. He played scout team, I'm guessing, all of last year. You know yeah. what you do on scout team when you're an offensive player? You run what the other do? team's offense, and you aren't focused on what you're doing it's a little bit easier for a guy like james williams to flash because defensively you know the hallmarks are largely the same offensively it's like okay i gotta simulate this player i gotta simulate this offense i gotta do this thing you don't have that as easily and so it's just uh i i think there's an opportunity for some of these guys to make some big gains in this month of november if they're able to continue putting one foot in front of each other and that's how this offense has to survive it's how this team has to survive and somehow they still have feet, despite trying to blow these feet off every single week. I don't know if there's just like half of a toe left or what it is, but they're still able to keep moving forward. I think it's commendable in a way. I I I don't want to crown him yet or get too far ahead of myself here. But if Emma Johnson continues to play, and, and he will probably get more carries as the year goes on. He only got 12 uh, yesterday. He'll probably get more, you know, you hope at least. If he continues to play at this high level, how is he not the starting running back to, to begin next season? You know, it's just one of those things where it's just like if he continues to build and continues to get better, it's hard not to see this guy having a, a fairly long future uh, with this team. And I think he's got three years of eligibility after mm-hmm. this year as well. He's so, a and, yeah. So he's he's played really well. I By the way. You're saying that you've you've gotten on Anthony Grant a lot, you know, this season. I'm, I've kind of been right there with you. I called him unplayable two weeks ago, just straight up, just called him unplayable with, with yep. the fumbling problems, and I agree with you. Uh, I, I I and also too, it really is the so like injuries are the worst. Injuries are the absolute worst. You just can't. It's so hard to prepare for them. You hate to see it to guys who work so hard uh, to get into those opportunities and, and just to go down in that way. Um, is awful. But yeah, the silver lining is the fact that Jalen Lloyd is getting snaps now. Jaden Doss is getting snaps now. So is Malachi Coleman. So is Emma Johnson. So is Quinn Knives, more than likely, was the scout team running back. And like you were just talking about running the other team, team's offenses. Now he's not. Now, now he's consistently the third running back. And are we seeing him a lot in games? No. Do I think we'll probably see him towards the end of the year so that we can so they, so Nebraska can keep the keep red shirt. His red shirt, yeah, probably. Uh, but it's good that he's getting that consistent work now. So yeah, is the offense good? No. Is it good though that they're getting these young guys' experience? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Matt. We'll finish with this. One week from now, it'll be the Sunday after the Purdue game, 
Is Nebraska a game away from bowl eligibility for the first time in 2016? Or did they experience a frustrating loss in Memorial Stadium? Predict the future for us. Um, if they play like they did against Northwestern, they will lose. If they play like they did against Illinois, they will win. And let me let me put an asterisk here. If they play like they did, especially the offense plays like they did in the first three quarters of Illinois, they will win. I will right. say it's twenty three to twenty, Nebraska over Purdue. Uh, I'll even you know what I was seventeen to seven on my Northwestern Nebraska prediction, so I'm feeling cocky. I'll even throw <laughs> in. Uh, I'll say Tristan Alvano hits a game winning kick. Oh, wow. All right. Sprinkle in an Alvano game winner. Well, we'll we'll keep the dialogue going in the press box next Saturday. We'll uh, we'll (laughs) see how close close you you are. It'd be really funny if, like, Nebraska is, like, winning 40 to zero, and you were like, hey, remember when you thought this game was going to be like a a game-winning field? That'd be funny. It'd be good now. I think the chances of that exact conversation happening are somewhere around 1%. (laughs) So, I mean, I – I'm not well. I'm, you know what? They're not 0%. expecting a forty to zero. Yeah, they're zero percent because I actually won't be in the press box next week. Ah, so. well then I'll just yeah. have to find some other ways to uh, yeah to alert yeah. you how your prediction is done. <laughs> Matt, we appreciate you joining here on the uh, the Sunday side session. Uh, Thank you so much always. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. As always, everyone can catch everything we got going at twenty four seven at husker twenty four seven dot com. Plenty of coverage from yesterday's game. We've got report cards, game balls, stories. Everything you want to know. There's video. If you just if you don't even want any of the great analysis from BC or Brunts, and certainly I know you don't want it from me, you can just get the raw video of Matt Rule talking. You don't even have to have us peppering in other words that you don't care for. You can ignore all of it, but you can find that at 24-7 Sports and especially at Husker247.com. There'll be recruiting updates on Sunday. There will be more things throughout the week as we get you prepared for Nebraska versus Purdue. The Huskers are 4-3 and and somehow still have a chance to go to Indianapolis. We'll have all of that and more as we get into more podcasts later this week.